Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now prepare your hearts for a message from God's Word. Well, I am very excited to be here this morning and have the opportunity to preach. I'm not going to lie. It has been a while since I last got to preach. I've been all over the place for the last three years, living in different states, different jobs from, oh man, let's do photo booth rentals, waiting tables at Olive Garden, working at a gym, doing ministry, landscaping. I'm sure there were a couple other ones that fit in there. So I've been all over the place. I just haven't preached in a while. So when Kyle asked me um, if I'd like to preach, the first thing as I was preparing was I looked into the do's and don'ts of preaching. So we're going to run through those real quick because I want this to be a good experience for us all. You guys cool with that? All right, uh, put up the first one up there. Don't say it's been a while since you last preached. All right, all right. So we can only go up from here. Let's uh, throw up the next one. Do show pictures of your incredibly adorable nephews. I can do that. Can we show uh, Jack and Franklin? Look at them kids. That's how you rope them in. I, I don't know if you a lot about preaching, but I know you show your pictures of kids. I don't got kids, so I show my nephews. Uh, I've got uh, two little nephews, Jack and Franklin. Uh, my brother, Josh, and his wife, Katie, are awesome parents. And just like any good father, my uh, brother has taught them self-defense. And obviously, there's only one way to do it. Let them watch WWF, WCW, whatever it is now, um, which was really cool until Jack got sent home from Sunday school for DDT, the other two years olds in the room. So, uh, yeah, love them. They're awesome. All right, what's the third one that we got? Don't say that you're not an OSU fan. I'm not going to bring it up. All right. What's the last one that we got here? Do say that OSU is going to be fine, even though they lost their starting quarterback and probably the best player and possibly their opportunity to win a national championships. So it's all right. We got those. We got those hammered out. It's going to be a good time. So I have the privilege today of starting our new series called Viral. Viral is all going to be about how to become contagious in everything that we do. So for the next um, few weeks, what we're going to be doing is running through the values of Adventure Church, Um, almost like the requirements that we believe that we have to do in order to become contagious, viral, in order to see our vision come to life. And and if you're not familiar with our vision, it's very simple. Throw it up on the screen. Adventure Church vision statement is simply to help people discover the life that God created them to live. Helping people discover the life that God created them to live. We believe that every single individual in this um, uh, room, every single person in this world was created for something better. They were created with a purpose. They were created for an adventure, a life that isn't boring, it's not bland, it isn't static, it isn't stale, and we believe that that life starts and continues with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. But the bad news and the reality is, is that there's a whole world that's living outside of that relationship. They're walking through their lives thinking this is it, this is, this is just it, you know, you, I've got a good job, I've got a great family, we're healthy, this is great, and, and that's it. And they're living outside that relationship. But we've got good news. And the good news is that we've got the good news, which is the gospel. That God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us so that we could come into that relationship. If this is your first time in church, I'm sure you are even familiar with John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth, with, believeth in him, say it with me, shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's what we believe, that God 
is opening up the door for us to have that relationship with him. And that's not the end of the good news. Further good news is that he doesn't just leave us with that reality, that opportunity, but he gives us a plan. And he's, sh- he's shown us how he wants to spread the gospel, the, the strategy, the way, the plan. Probably the best word is the vessel for his message. You can have a great product or message, but if you don't have a vessel to get it to people, it's going to stay in your living room or in your head. And he's created that vessel for us, and that is called the church. Or more relevant to our topic today, we're going to be talking about community. Becoming viral starts with community. And community is all about connection, all right? Just the fact that we are here within these four walls doesn't mean that we're a community. Because if we don't connect together for a single purpose, around a single vision, and go forth, then we're just a group of people that, for whatever reason, like to hang out on a Sunday morning together. So we're going to be talking about community. Um, Before we get any further today, let's lift up the Lord one more time, because the Lord knows we need his words and not mine. Father, thank you. Jesus, that you, uh, you choose to use us, Lord God. I, I think about my life, Lord, and I'm just, I'm just so thankful that you've given me this opportunity to preach. But God, I pray that the words that I say this morning won't be my own, uh, but they'll be yours. Because you alone can speak to, through one individual to every single person in this room. And you want to say different things to different people. And only you are capable of that. So we give you full control of this morning's service and pray that you would speak to our lives so that we can come closer together in you and come closer together as a community so that we can become contagious in the world around us. Everybody said amen. I love the game of basketball. It is my favorite sport. I may love the Green Bay Packers more than the game of basketball, but I love basketball. I love this since I was in sixth grade, and this year, I got into a, a league with a few coworkers of mine. So we got together, got in this league, you know, came up with an awesome name, the Midwest Monsters, which obviously is very appropriate for seven white guys that are all under six foot tall. Um, and surprisingly, we did really well. Like, we scrapped around, played some defense, competition was not very good, but we did really well. We ended up winning the championship. And if you're in your 20s and out of college, rec sports is all you have left, so you celebrate the small victories. Um, so we felt really good, but as soon as we won uh, that night, we said, hey, we got to keep this together. Like, this is a dynasty in the making. We're talking, you know, repeat, three-peat, four-peat. This is, this is something special here, but we can't stay in this league. Like, first of all, this gym is horrible. It's plastic. There's, like, potholes on the court. It was really bad news. Um, we got to get into the Columbus Rec League. That's where the competition is at, and then when we're ready for it. So we joined the Columbus Rec League, and there's three different divisions that you can join. There's the A division, which is strictly to win the game. You don't have fun unless you win, all right? The ex-college players, guys that have played overseas, we weren't good enough to be in that one. So uh, there's another league, the C League, which was strictly just for fun. I don't even think they kept score in these games, and half the guys on the court thought they were playing baseball or something. So we knew that we were better than that, so we joined the B League, semi-competitive, semi-fun. Should be a great fit. Um, Got into the league, first game we lost by nine points. Tight game. We're like, hey, we'll come back. It'll, you know, we'll play harder the next game. We'll, We'll get a win here. Next game, we lose by 30 points. Okay, now if you're not familiar with basketball, 30 points is like losing in football like 42 to 3. 
okay? You probably shouldn't just, you shouldn't have just never shown up. Like, it got so bad, like, we, and we continued to, to move throughout the league, and every single time we were like, we'll get better, we'll win the next game, it, it, our time is coming, loss after loss, and I kid you not, Tyler was on the basketball team, so he can attest to this, we lost every single game by an average of 30 points, ridiculous. It got so bad, we started cheering for the team while we, the other team, while we were playing with them. Because the alternative was crying. So they'd, you know, score a lip. Hey, man, good job, guys, good job. Um, But I found that there was a huge difference between our team and the teams that we played. And it wasn't that they were so much more gifted than us. We had some good ball players on the team. We had guys that played high school, a little bit of college. Um, It wasn't that they wanted it more than us. I mean, anybody that knows me, I am really competitive, yes, to a fault. Um, And so we wanted just as bad as them. But what we found out was that these teams were practicing outside of the league. Like, they would come in with plays that they had practiced. They were incredibly intentional about winning, whereas we just kind of hoped that it would happen. They had the mindset that we're going to make it happen. So as we kick off and we talk about community, the first thing I want to challenge us to do is if we are going to see community created in Adventure Church, we've got to be intentional about it. Community doesn't just happen. We've got to be intentional about it. I I work in the internet marketing business. I've got small business owners that I'll talk to, and they'll talk about years prior. I'm, oh my goodness, business was so bad last year. We just couldn't get any new clients. So I always ask the next question is, well, what kind of marketing did you do? And they would say, well, we didn't do any marketing last year. You know, we just cut all the funds. So there wasn't any business. Okay, it's tough times, tough economy. But basically you said you weren't even trying to get new business. Okay, it doesn't make a lot of sense. This mentality, that's just going to happen. Think about, like, the greatest athletes, um, you know, right now. Let's just go ahead and bring, I don't know, LeBron James. Um, LeBron James, such an incredible athlete. And it's easy to look at a guy like that and say, look at him. I mean, he's six foot eight, you know, muscular. He's just, he was born to play the game of basketball. I mean, it's just easy for him. But then you find out about their work ethic, that they're in the gym from 5 a.m. to 7 p.m., counting their shots, 400 shots a night, hitting the weight room when they're not in the gym playing basketball, and they're very intentional about becoming who they want to become. And we've got to be intentional about creating community. A great quote that I found was, you don't climb mountains without a team, you don't climb mountains without being prepared, and you don't climb mountains on accident. It has to be intentional. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious. You've got to be intentional about it. And when we look at Jesus' ministry, he was very intentional about everything that he did from start to finish. When he formed his team, the disciples, and he brought 12 guys together that were going to spend day in and day out with him, and he was going to invest in them, he called to them. He didn't start his ministry and say, man, I hope I get a core team that just starts following around with me. I'll pour my spirit into them. They'll carry the church on after I leave. No, in Matthew 4, we see him calling them. They were working their jobs. He said, hey, come follow me. Come follow me. Intentionally picking the people that he was going to invest in. Fast forward to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Intentional about going to the cross Got a great example of you know, how the, the disciples felt about it. In Matthew 16, 22 through 23, um, Peter, one of his beloved uh, disciples, says, Heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. And Jesus turns towards Peter and so gently rebukes him and says, Get away from me, Satan. Not encouraging you to rebuke your children in that way, but that's how Jesus chose to rebuke Peter. You are Uh, You're a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not God's point of view. 
Peter had this mindset that this was just going to happen to Jesus. What does Jesus say? This isn't just going to happen. I'm going to make it happen. I'm intentionally going to go to the cross, be crucified, rise again so that you can have life. And I don't know about you, I'm so grateful for a God that was intentional about creating a way to bring me into a relationship with him because the Lord knows that I wasn't going to do anything about it, but he intentionally created the way, created the path for me. So how can we be intentional? What, what does it look like to be con- intentional about creating community? Uh, very simply, show up. Show up. So everyone that's here, good job. You guys are already way ahead of everyone else. Uh, it, you know, the old quote, 80% of becoming successful is showing up. I mean, if you're not there, if you're not giving yourself an opportunity to become successful, you're not going to be successful. I looked at a couple stats about church attendance. 40% of Americans say that they attend church on a weekly basis. That's less than half. The real statistic is that 20% actually do. 20% actually attend church on a weekly basis. Showing up, giving yourself an opportunity to connect with one another. The second thing is don't just show up, connect. Connect with one another. Uh, you know, and it, it starts with a simple hello. I know I'm, I'm kind of getting childish. Okay, yeah, how was church? Jake taught us that we need to say hi to each other. But I don't know about you. I'm 27 years old, and sometimes I still think that, like, I need my mom to come behind me when I introduce new people. And, you know, when I was a kid, she'd be like, all right, Jacob, say hi. I still feel like that because it's awkward. It's awkward meeting new people. You're just supposed to randomly go up to someone, hey, tell me about your life story, and I really hope that this isn't awkward, and you don't tell me all this crazy stuff that I don't want to hear about because we're at church and we got to get to the football game. It's awkward, but if we become intentional about creating community, we have to be willing to embrace the awkwardness, embrace the awkwardness. The second challenge for this morning, that we have to embrace the awkwardness, because it's always going to be there. Talk about awkward. I am a magnet for awkward situations. Jess knows it. She loves every single one of my stories. Uh, I don't, if there's an awkward situation, an awkward conversation, I'm going to find it, and I'm going to find myself just making it even more awkward. Case in point, I'm living in Oklahoma um, a couple years ago now, and I'm working part-time landscaping. My buddy asked me to take a couple, a care, of a, care of a couple accounts that he has, and um, I had to borrow my landscaping boss's backpack blower, which is like three to $400. He had a pretty nice one. So I went to do the accounts, got done cutting the lawn, weed-eated it or trimmed it, whatever you say here in Columbus, but I took care of the edges of the yard. Went back to my car to grab the blower, and it was gone. Here's the thing about backpack blowers. They don't have wings, all right? It didn't fly away. So immediately I knew it was gone. It was stolen. That's three to $400 that I'm going to have to pay my boss that I don't have because I'm broke. That's why I'm landscaping at the time, okay? So I get in my car, and I start frantically searching the subdivision. If there's a person walking on the sidewalk, I'm looking at them, trying to see if they give me some sort of reaction, you know, like, are they going to go, oh, oh, you know, and I'm going to chase them down and do, I don't even know what. If there were garages open, I'm looking into the garage real creepy-like. I mean, I was getting looks because I'm like, you know, I need to find that blower. Finally, I'm like, this is gone. It's gone. It, it's stolen. I'm not going to get it back. I'm going to have to come up with 300 bucks. So I pack up my stuff. I call my buddy, and I'm like, dude, I'm not going to be able to finish your accounts because someone stole my blower. I'm going home because I'm very angry. So I pull out of the subdivision. I start driving away, and I offer up one last hope to the Lord. You know, of course, we bring him into the situation last. 
and I say, God, I really need you to show me where this blower is. God says, go back into the subdivision. I'm like, it's not in the subdivision, God. I need you to show me the pawn shop that it's at. I might get a discount. Like if I come, you bought it within an hour of us having it, 50% off. So I'm like, show me the pawn shop. He's like, go back into the subdivision. So I, I go back into the subdivision, and I look up, and on the right side of the street, landscaping truck and trailer. Okay, that's weird. So I drive up on it, um, and I'm looking at the trailer, examining its contents, and I'm like, whoa, what is that? Here, there's a, like a 55-gallon garbage can that is like on top, awkwardly, on top of a backpack blower that looks a lot, yeah, it's my blower. Okay. I'm like, all right, that's my blower, and they stole it, and they're trying to hide it. Not, did not do a good job at all. Like, it was like, the can was like half on, like, oh, okay, good job. So I pull over, I get out of the car, I'm just like, I'm just going to make this real easy. I'm going to go up, grab my blower, go home. Praise God, thank you, Jesus. I get out of my car, and just as I get out of my car, a coworker, a worker, walks up on the trailer. I'm like, oh, boy, this is awkward. Not going to be fun. So I'm like, all right. I'm just going to approach this very bluntly. I'm just going to get to the fact they stole my blower. I'm going to get it back. I start walking towards him. He's coming down the trailer, and I look at him, and I said, Hey, man, you steal my blower? And I'm like, I've got my, like, you know, my fist clenched. Like, I'm going to get in a fight. Never been in a fight before. So now I'm thinking, okay, I might not only be out a blower, but I'm going to be into the hospital here in a second. But I'm like, whatever. i got to get it. I'm broke. I'm like, hey, man, you steal my blower. And he just looks at me so confused. And I said it one more time. Hey, man, you steal my blower. And he goes from looking confused to having the most genuine smile on his face. And I was like, what is going on? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, we got your blower. I'm like, okay, yep, I know. I saw it. Man, yeah, we found it. We found your blower. Come on up. And I'm like, I- I have no idea what is going on. This went from awkward to confusing. And I'm like, okay. So he's like, brings me up on the trailer, lifts the can off the blower. We found it, man. He's pat me on the back. We found it. It's your blower. And I like picked it up and he's walking. He's like, pat me on the back. Yeah, no problem. No problem. I'm so confused. I don't even know what to say. So I said the two words that I, I, I could only think of was, thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks. Awkward. It's an awkward situation. First time in church, maybe you've been in church your whole life. Church is awkward sometimes, right? There's just awkward situations filled with awkward people. Turn towards your neighbor, tell them you're awkward. You're awkward. I know I'm awkward. Awkward situations. But here's the thing about awkward situations a lot of times is that awkward moments tend to precede awesome moments. And we're going to talk about this in a second. Awkward moments tend to precede uh, awkward, uh, awesome moments. Think about Jesus' ministry, okay? And we think about the disciples. And I don't know about you, but I think about these guys that were walking with Jesus every single day of their lives. Like, they must have been a confident group of guys. But the Bible says that they weren't. They had doubts just as you and I do. And they were with him, walking with him, okay? But in my mind, I'm like, no, these guys were so confident. There. It's like, you know, when they walked into Galilee, it was kind of like stomp the yard, you know, like, yeah, what's up? We're with Jesus. It's going to be fine. going to heal some people. Y'all going to get saved. It's cool. We'll be out. You know, it's just like we get that mindset. But they... You know, they were just like us. And just like you and I walk into awkward situations, we don't know, what are you doing, God? So did they. So when a blind person comes up to Jesus and says, I'm blind, I've been blind my whole life, I need you to heal me, what does Jesus do? Let's go to the scripture here. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, Go wash yourself in the pool of 
Siloam, uh, which means sent. Okay, stop right there. You're a disciple, you're with Jesus, and he just said, I'm going to heal you. And what does he choose to do? Grabs dirt, spits in it, mud, on the person's eyes. What are you thinking at this point in time? Okay, this is getting awkward, but he's going to get healed. This is going to be cool. But then Jesus says, all right, mud on the guy's eyes, go wash in that pool. Now this is awkward. What is going on here? What if he doesn't get healed? Why did you do that, Jesus? This is awkward. Carry on in the verse. So the man went, washed himself, came back seen. Awkward moment. Now, awesome moment. Someone being healed uh, of being blind. We look at it more from a relationship standpoint. Um, who's all heard of Zacchaeus in the Bible? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He climbed up on a sycamore tree. Okay, we'll forget that. Um, <laughs> If you didn't go to Sunday school, you won't get that as a kid. Uh, so in Luke 19, 1 through 10, we see the story of, of Zacchaeus, where Jesus is walking through, and Zacchaeus is short, so he's got to climb up a tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. And, and Jesus sees him up there, and he says, when he reached the spot by the tree, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And all the people that saw this, what was their reaction um, to Jesus hanging out with Zacchaeus? He's going to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Here's the thing about Zacchaeus. He wasn't awkward or weird because he was short. He was awkward and weird because he was the worst type of human being around at the time. He was a tax collector whose job was cheating and lying for a living. Don't associate that with paying taxes and all that. I know we all have our own feelings about that. But no, this guy, like, his job was going to people, making up the rules as he went along, and just stealing from people. That's why when Jesus said, hey, I'm going to spend time with you, everyone was like, what? Why are you spending time with that guy? Think about his disciples. Jesus, not a strong ministry move here. Like, this is not a good situation. Awkward But then what happens after Jesus spends time with them? Zacchaeus believes in Jesus, says, I'm going to give back four times as much that I stole from every single individual that I've worked with. Awkward turning into awesome. And in that situation, what Jesus showed us and was so very clear about is that Jesus was more focused about creating connection than he was about creating comfort more focused about creating connection than he was about creating comfort. And we've got to take on that from him. We've got to, to follow in the way of Jesus and saying, man, this is, this is awkward. Like, first of all, it's just awkward being here in church, surrounded by people that I don't know. This is awkward introducing myself to people that I don't know. This is awkward and pushing through that, embracing it, because connection is key. Because in order to experience those awesome moments, we're going to have to get through some of these awkward moments. And initially it might be awkward saying hi to someone that you've never met before, having a completely random conversation with someone. But you push through, and then months down the road, you find that you've got a relationship in your life that you would never, like, never give up. And they, they, they're one of your best friends. Or, you know, you're at one of our life groups, and someone is going on and on about their problems. And this is so awkward. Oh, I do not need to need, or hear that. TMI, uh, this is awkward. Pushing through because connection is more important so that you can be a vessel for the love and, uh, and, and grace and peace of God in that situation 
embracing the awkwardness. I think about my own situation. I mean, it was like I was like 17 when my youth pastor chose to spend time with me, chose to invest in me, much older than me. Like, it's, it's awkward. I mean, it's awkward hanging out with kids that are younger with you. You can't connect, but for whatever reason, he chose to invest in me. And 11 years later, here I am at Adventure Church, on stage, preaching, doing ministry with Kyle Hammond because he chose to push past that initial awkwardness and invest in connection and invest in me. We've got to be about uh, connection and pushing through that awkwardness. It's gonna, it might get awkward at times. This is the thing that I, I, I try to remind myself. It might get awkward, but it's going to be awesome. It might get awkward, but it's going to be awesome. So if we become intentional about creating community and we're willing to embrace that initial awkwardness, the last thing that we've got to do is we've got to be real. Be real. Look at your neighbor and say, be real. Be real, not fake. We're living in a society where it's so easy to be fake i.e. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. So easy to promote all the things you want people to know about you while shielding them from the real things about you. Not necessarily the bad things, but the real things. We've all seen the, like, I'm reading at Starbucks post, you know, at Instagram where it's got the Hudson filter on it. Okay, maybe you've never done that. I've done it. Okay, I've posted that type of picture where I'm at Starbucks. I've got my Bible. I've got my ice-cold Americana with sugar-free caramel syrup with two Splenda. And... I'm like, I've got to tell the world. Like, this is a great, a great experience. So I position my Bible just right, bookmark slightly pulled to the left. I'm showing just enough of the Starbucks uh, brand name so that you can tell that I'm at Starbucks. I'm not at Tim Hortons. Um, and posted, hashtag studying, hashtag reading, hashtag I'm so much more spiritual than everybody else. And you post it. And what you don't know is that it took me like 50 times to get that picture with the lighting in the room. And what you don't know is that as soon as I posted it, I forgot that I had an appointment that I was late for and didn't even read my Bible. The reality of it. But we're so good at uh, being, you know, promoting who we want people to believe. Not necessarily being fake, but just putting up walls. Think about your best friend. If it's your spouse, which if you married your spouse, it's your best friend, nudge them, you're my best friend. Um, and if I were to ask you, like, what is, what is it about your relationship with them that makes you so close, and just, you know, you couldn't live without them because of this. I doubt you would say, man, this is what makes our relationship so great. Um, I don't know why I was doing that accent. That was really weird. Um, this is what makes our relationship so great. We just pretend that everything's great. Like, we just, when we're with each other, we pretend like there's not a care in the world. It's just the best day ever. And that's how every single, you know, time we hang out. It's just, it's awesome. You know, when I've had a bad day and I lost my job and my car broke down, I walk through those doors and I say, praise Jesus, it's a good day. She asks you how your day was. It's great. I had spaghetti for lunch. It was, it's just a great day. No, you would tell me probably right off the bat, the biggest uh, mechanism in my relationship with them is that we are real with each other. They know me inside and out. I can think of my best friends. It's not because we just like having a good time. It's because I can be completely vulnerable and open before them. They get all that is Jake word, the good, the bad, and the ugly, all my bad habits. Tyler, my roommate, knows what I'm talking about. Being real with one another. We have such an awesome model for this in the New Testament, which was Paul. And if you don't know about Paul, Paul was literally like one of the greatest Christians to live. Started out really, really rocky, uh, you know, 
um, persecuting the early church, and then he meets Jesus, becomes saved, and starts just drastically changing the world, writing letters to the churches, instructing them, giving them leadership. And yet, this awesome individual that was so, I mean, he was just a righteous guy, this awesome individual would said stuff like Romans 7, 24. What a terrible failure I am. Who will save me from this sin that brings death to my body? Earlier on in that passage, he says, I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things that I do want to do. Have you ever been there? Ever felt like that? That's real. I do the things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I do want to do. What a terrible failure I am. Who's going to save me from being this mess? Further on in 2 Corinthians, Corinthians, he says, so now I boast in my weaknesses. I'm not just going to show you my strengths. I'm not just going to show you what I'm I'm good at. I'm not just going to Instagram all the great moments of my life. I'm going to boast in my weaknesses, becoming so vulnerable in front of everyone. I mean, he's writing these letters that are going to be shared with everyone. We're reading them now. In Philippians, he says, my best day like filthy rags compared to the glory of Christ. And the literal meaning of filthy rags is way worse than that. Saying, I'm nothing. I'm nothing in light of Jesus Christ. Why? Why do we have to be so real with one another? Why can't we just pretend that everything's great? Because God chooses to to pour his spirit and grow us and nurture us within the body, within each other. He chooses to change lives through each other. It's very simple. Look at James 5, 16. It says, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. Man, talk about being real. If you're real with someone, you tell them your sins, not mistakes, not, I, you know, should have gone to college. I didn't. Oh, man, I'm so vulnerable. No, this is my sin. Like, this is who I am. I'm struggling with this. And this is what we're being urged to do. Talk about the pinnacle of being real with one another. Why? So that you might be healed. So that you'll be healed. So that God can change you. Uh, you know, carrying on in 2 Corinthians, you know, he says, so now I boast in my weaknesses so that God can work through me and can change me. Can. The word is Can. That when we're not real and we don't bring people in our lives and we keep this front up and I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, life is great, struggling here, you know, God's power won't work in your life if that's the type of living that you're going to have. So that the power of God can work through me. So now I know what you're thinking. Okay, Jake, what are you expecting me to do? You expecting me to come up on stage and share all the dirt in my life and all the sins? No, <laughs> you won't make it to the stage, I assure you, Okay. No, that's not what we're talking about. I'm not telling you to go shout it on the rooftops, your problems. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is you don't have to be explicitly real with everyone, but you've got to be real with someone, with someone. You don't have to be explicitly real. You don't have to shout it all out there, post it on Facebook. Hey, good morning, everyone. How's the sunshine? Hey, this is what I did last night. Oh, TMI, unfollow. You don't have to do that. But you've got to be real with someone. And so um, at Adventure Church, we're not only intentional about creating an opportunity for you to come and for us to gather and worship and, and, and hear preaching and be challenged, but we also are intentional about creating opportunities outside of Sunday mornings called life groups, where you are given the opportunity to connect on a more serious, on a more intimate level with those around you. 
Because the truth of the matter is, is that community might get like jump-started here and it might be sparked here, but this isn't where it grows. Not on Sunday mornings. It grows through our relationships with one another. And life groups is an awesome, awesome deal where you're able to be intentional and being like, all right, I'm gonna go to this life group. I'm gonna be intentional. You show up, awesome. Number one, show up. You connect, it's awkward. But you embrace the awkwardness and you push through. Maybe it's the first time, maybe it's the second time, maybe it's the three times that you've been in a house. Man, this feels awkward. These are people that I don't know. It feels like, but I'm gonna stay focused on connection. I know that this is what's important, that I connect. And all of a sudden, you're real with one another. And like I said before, God starts working in your life. And six months down the road, you hit a huge situation in your life. And the people that are gathering around you, you are so grateful that you embraced the awkwardness, that you pushed through that. This morning, I'm going to have Vanessa and Adam come up here as we close. The truth is, is that, um, you know, the community is bigger than just us connecting with each other and growing together. It really is. Um, in Matthew 17, 23, this is, this is why we do community right here. Matthew 17, 23, may they experience such perfect unity that the world would know that you sent me, this is Jesus talking about the church, that they would experience such perfect unity and they would know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. He's talking to God the Father. That they would come together and have unity in such a way that the world looks at that and says, okay, this isn't a group of people that just, you know, soldiers, they're just all the same. No, this is a real group of people. Did you hear about that church? Man, it's weird there. All these people from different backgrounds, different opinions, different standards, all this, but they come together. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. And as we're going to sing here in a second, Jesus Christ has to be the center of community if we are going to be authentic and if we are going to touch the world around us. And maybe, um, you know, we're talking about Jesus being the center of our community, and maybe you're here this morning where Jesus isn't the center of of your life. Maybe as I'm talking here, it's like, man, I I feel like I haven't, like you're way ahead of me here, Jacob. And what I want to encourage you, what I'm going to give you an opportunity to do here in a second is become intentional about taking that first step towards Jesus Christ and intentionally Um, allowing God to come in your life. So let's go ahead and, and bow our heads, close our eyes.